good lawyers are stewards of their client. They're thinking about what their client is thinking about all the time. Every excellent and successful lawyer I know who has a lot of clients is thinking through, how can I make this easier on my client? How can I help my client with this? They're obsessed with their clients in a way. Those are the lawyers who are scaling their business. They want to maintain a level of service or elevate the services they can provide to their clients so that client keeps coming back to them. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Our guest today is a lawyer who spent over a decade at some of the world's most prestigious firms, helping individuals, families, and businesses with succession planning, wealth preservation, asset protection, and tax strategies. After identifying a very specific need in the industry that wasn't being properly addressed, she gave up her fast-rising career to become the co-founder and CEO of TrueState, where she has designed a human-driven and technology-backed estate administration company. Let's welcome our next lawyer who leads, Leah Del Percio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here to get to chat today. Of course. I like to start the show by asking each guest to actually share a little slice of their life. What would you say your favorite moment has been today so far? Hmm, That's a good question. This is, I guess, a more personal example. My son is out sick from school with the stomach bug and he was up all night and he ended up coming into our bed at 3 a.m. or something. When I woke up at 6.30, he was sleeping peacefully next to my husband and I was like, oh, what a great way to wake up even from a night that's sleepless. So on the personal side, that was my best personal moment of the day, even though he's sick and hopefully he'll feel better. Professionally, had a meeting this morning at 8.30 with my business partner. We do check-ins fairly frequently to make sure we're on the same page. And we had a conversation that was about radical truths we had to tell each other. I think it's really important when you're leading a company to be really honest, not only with yourself, but with your teammates. So I was able to express some things that were on my mind in the middle of the night while dealing with my son. And it turns out we're on the same page about them and thought of a way to really tackle the day. Well, first of all, I hope that your son feels better soon. (laughs) Thank you. Secondly, I totally understand what you're going through. Having a toddler that is sick is so hard on so many levels. But that image that you invoked of seeing your husband's and your son sleeping together, that was just heartwarming. Thank you for sharing that. In addition to that, yes, on the morning meetings and yes, on the Radical Candor. Have you ever read Kim Scott's Radical Candor book? No, I have not. It's a wonderful book. I would highly recommend it to you and our listeners. It really represents how being radically candid with everyone in your life, really, but this is from a professional standpoint, in order to not only help people that you manage grow, but also to ensure that there's a trust that's built between you and other people. It's wonderful that you're doing that already organically. And it's true many times if we're just really honest with people and it comes from a place of good intention and there's trust between you and that person, there's nothing you can't do. And I think it goes both ways. It's being honest about identifying potential challenges that could come your way and how to tackle them together. So it's making sure you're on the same page and everybody's rowing in the same direction. 
But it's also being so grateful for people to have those conversations with you. One author I love or book I love is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. So it talks about the vulnerability piece. I can say, I'm struggling with this. I'm not the expert in this. So being vulnerable, I think, as a leader is really important because, first of all, it sets your your culture so that people aren't just showing you all their wins. They're showing you when there's a problem or when they need a mistake because you need to know. We don't do any blaming in our business. Every mistake is an opportunity to learn. So we really try to embody that daily. I love when I talk to people who are starting from the ground up and really making sure that all of these foundational things are in place from the beginning, because a lot of times, including Lawline, it took us many years <laughs> before we started to realize how important a lot of these principles are. And then you have to make a lot of changes and you're just starting really from the beginning with everyone in a really great way. So I just think that's awesome. Yeah, I always say starting a company has been like having a baby. I started my company and founded it really at the time in which I was having my youngest son. So there's a lot of parallels in child rearing and also running a business and watching it grow. One example I love is sometimes when you don't set the proper culture and foundation or you raise money too quickly or you grow too fast, you have the tendency to be like a baby on roller skates. Your baby's just learning to walk. They stumble, they fall occasionally, but you know that they're going to be an awesome runner someday because you're instilling a foundation in them. You can tell those things pretty early on, but you're not going to throw them on a pair of roller skates at one and a half necessarily. And if you do, yeah, there's a chance they might do great, but there's also a chance they're going to fall and hurt themselves. So maybe wait until they're two and a half. <laughs> I love that analogy. I mean, there are so many parallels between parenting and starting and running a business. There's so much crossover there. And there's even stuff in running a business that I feel like I've really taken into my parenting, like daily check-ins. How's your day? Anything that you're struggling with? Let's talk about it. Can we work through those things? So I, I think it's wonderful. I want to rewind a little bit. Let's talk about this really interesting trajectory that you were on. You were rising through the ranks at the world's most prestigious firms before you decided to make a shift. Tell us about that. Sure. I started my career doing contract work at Goldman Sachs. was a really interesting foray into leadership because I was working in their human capital management division, reviewing reviews of various employees from partner to analyst. Really, really interesting and very functional and healthy culture, particularly within HCM. So having seen that early on and just taking advantage of all the things that they have to help grow leaders was critical for me. Made me realize I love to take responsibility for things. I love to grow things. And hey, I kind of like banking wealth management stuff. Moved to JP Morgan Chase Private Bank. I ended up getting really interested in all the different estate planning vehicles I was seeing and thought, well, this is an interesting area of law. Maybe I want to go into private practice because I do like being that source of revenue generation for a firm rather than this compliance obstacle. So spent years almost teaching myself trust in the states, but was able to work with a really excellent group of attorneys who founded their own firms. I was working very closely with the name partner of a Trust in the States boutique. It did a lot of sophisticated work for high net worth, ultra high net worth client, a lot of asset protection planning. They were just very much on the cutting edge 
brilliant, brilliant group of lawyers. And I would get to sit in the founding partner's office almost every day. And he just taught me so much. So I spent years doing that and everything was going swimmingly. And then ultimately my family situation changed. My husband's job relocated. I always joke around. I didn't cry at my wedding and I had to cry leaving this park. <laughs> Just because I, I really enjoyed the people I worked with from every layer of support staff to partner. Moved over to DLA Piper to their trust and estates group, working with a group of five partners in Maryland, which is where we ended up moving to. Their book of business was similar in that they did sophisticated planning, but most of their clients are typically 50 million plus. And those clients just have very different needs. And particularly when there's a death in the family, they often would lean on us to do literally all of the work in that estate administration. So I got to see these clients really deriving value from us handling literally everything for them. What does everybody else do? What does the other 99.999% of the world do when they hire their counsel? I knew from being at a boutique that yes, there's a state administration practices. They don't have a staff of 30 like we had who does everything and every client just flies in on their plane and signs their returns and leaves. It got me thinking, this is a huge gap in the market. Everyone should have such a wonderful level of service when going through the loss of a loved one and had this idea in early 2019. I just couldn't let it go. I just wanted to keep learning and spent a lot of spare time prior to leaving Piper, talking to people, getting out into the marketplace and saying to people like, what are your pain points? What is it like having a death in the family? And one of the people I asked was one of my good friends, my co-founder, because she was going through losing her grandparents. She was helping her dad because it was that much work. She was like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. We hired an attorney. There was nothing left in the estate by the time we were done. Look at all this paperwork I have, blah, blah, blah. And that's what I heard across the board for literally everyone. So I knew, okay, lawyers need tools for them to do this work affordably for their clients because everyone ends up hating their estate administration lawyer. By the time the work is done, they pay a retainer usually between six dollars and $15,000. And all they get is to probate where they get appointed as the executor. And now they have all of these fiduciary duties to actually manage, handle, and close the estate. And they're already through that retainer and they're like, what did I pay the lawyer for? So what we aim to do is handle all of those administrative functions for that lawyer. So we have a service side to our business that is working really well with lots of forward-thinking trusts and estates lawyers to help them elevate their practice to include these administrative services. It reduces their risk of malpractice because we're getting accurate data for them, closing things out, and the client is getting things done. And the clients end up finding them to be the hero at the end of the day. And they're not spending time that they can't bill for administrative tasks, like calling the, the cable company to close out the deceased loved one's cable bill, which nobody wants to do. So that's one side of our business is the service side. And then we have the product side, which is we're building tools right now for lawyers, super exciting stuff where we're actually going to be able to do a lot of the actual finding that data, figuring out what great aunt Sally owned and what she owed literally at the click of a button. So we're excited to be rolling out those tools over the next couple of months. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. Such great things. You talked about through your time and your experience, identified the gap in the market. You asked a very good question, like, what is everyone else doing? And then you went out and actually asked 
people about their experiences. Does this come naturally to you? How did you know the best way to start approaching this gap in the market? I'm somebody where I have really strong opinions a lot of the time and I have strong hypotheses, but I try to back it by data. So initially when I had the idea for the business, I went to a local incubator in my area in Baltimore, actually in the emerging technology sectors. I met with some mentors there, one of whom was a lawyer, more of an IP kind of startup lawyer. And they were like, you got to start testing this out. Like, just go stand on a street corner and ask people. I didn't actually stand on a street corner and ask people or go in front of a funeral home and ask people. But I found places where executors and those grieving a loss were complicating. And I didn't tell them my background. I didn't tell them I was a trust and estate lawyer. And I asked them what their experience was. I was shocked at how many people felt like this was just a life ruiner for them, being appointed as an executor or it's known as a personal representative in some states. It's just a a horrible experience for them. Not only is it a full-time job, but you're trying to manage your family's grief, your own grief. It can just be really emotional. So that data to me was so eye-opening and it really compelled me to say, all right, you know what? Life is too short. I'm going to take a risk, jump off into entrepreneurship. And I know that I could build a team that can build tools to actually solve this problem. We understand it deeply enough. I've done enough multi-jurisdictional estate administration practice to know what the true needs of lawyers are, which are not just another spreadsheet or planning tool. It's more of actual tools that get the work done and really grow that and build that so lawyers can be more empowered when they're dealing with their clients. So why did you decide to start a company to help the lawyer in the representation of these clients versus the executor themselves? So it's interesting you ask that. Initially, we tried to market to both those grieving families as well as the lawyers. So we began testing the market. And what we realized was it was very difficult to buy trust from a marketing standpoint of these direct-to-consumer clients. We knew the lawyer had pain points. They had time that they often have to write off or can't bill for. They have really unhappy clients who... Yeah, they might do the planning for them during the administration as a part of it, but they end up never getting business from them again after that. They're very much exposed to risk because a lot of them don't know how to do a probate and they don't know how to do an administration properly. I've seen situations where lawyers had missed tax filing deadlines and ended up costing an estate millions of dollars, where lawyers didn't have the right information to actually close something out. And not only are they spending tons in legal fees because they have to work hourly for the legal piece of the administration, but they're causing litigation in the estate because of it. So to me, it was this high liability practice area that needed risk reduced by accurate data and people getting tasks done quickly. And what we started to see in our business was that most of the estates we were getting on the service piece where we're going in and serving as like this outsourced task manager and personal assistant to the lawyer, we're coming in from attorneys. We were getting all of these unsolicited inbound inquiries without even really marketing to them where they're like, oh my gosh, I have 60 administrations. I need help on these. And to us, we've settled hundreds and hundreds of estates. We could easily help these people and help them grow their client base by being able to really, really strengthen and fortify that relationship with the executor client and all of the stakeholders, all the beneficiaries in the estate administration. So we knew that was really the path for us, but it was through testing and getting the data and spending really a year marketing towards both and then moving in a different direction. I find it really interesting that by speaking to all these people who are going through arguably the most 
difficult time in their lives by losing a, a loved one and having to deal with everything that goes with that. You said, you know what, I'm going to try to get to the root of this, which is they're going to hire a lawyer anyway. And let me make sure that that lawyer is the best lawyer they can get. Yeah. And frankly, the way I see it, good lawyers are stewards of their client. They're thinking about what their client is thinking about all the time. Every excellent lawyer and successful lawyer I know who has a lot of clients going through this, so they're a good client for us, is thinking through like, how can I make this easier on my client? How can I help my client with this? They're obsessed with their clients in a way. Those are the lawyers we want to work with, are lawyers who are scaling their business. They want to maintain a level of service or elevate the services they can provide to their clients. So that client keeps coming back to them. So talk to us about how you personally deal with having to deal with such emotionally elevated types of cases. That's a great question. I think it comes down to the team. Having a team that can handle having to deal with heavy, heavy stuff sometimes. And, and we certainly do. And I, I personally think that when you're doing this work and you know at the end of the day, your goal is to make this process suck less for someone who life is really sucking right now, that is motivating in a completely different way. We're helping them take stress off of them and ease some of the burden from handling that call with the phone company to close out an estate. That's often a huge source of stress for that person. One thing we learned early on from some of our early clients was that every time they had to call a customer service line, they were reliving the death of their loved one. So they'd wait out hold for three hours. Then they'd have to explain the situation, relive the death of that loved one while explaining it, to then get transferred to another department and have to do it all over again. So to us, we said, this is work that we can work through your lawyer to get done for you. So you're able to have the emotional space that you need to cope with your loss. So while we're not a grief company and we are a business to business software company, our mission is just so strong and we see it with our clients and we're delivering those wins through the lawyer now, but we know how much this work means to that end client. And that is cathartic for all the emotional stresses that I think our team sometimes endures from dealing with a heavy subject matter. What a great example. I know personally, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have all gone through that where we've tried to get something resolved with a various companies and have been transferred multiple times. But how powerful when you really talk about this client that was like, I have to literally relive the death of a loved one every single time I get transferred and how absolutely frustrating and unnecessary that has to be. Tell me, if you don't mind, how do you take that away from the client? Yeah, so what we do on our end is we have proprietary technology that actually works to get all of those pieces closed out in a more automatic way. So we'll handle it for the client. They'll either deal with us at times we're working through that lawyer. So we're getting this work done on the back end for the lawyer and then the lawyer can go and deliver those wins to the client uh, if it closed out X, Y, and Z. But that's typically how we work. So it's our technology that's actually driving that process. And a lot of that was building out operations and then layering technology onto it. So it was tapping into my expertise quite a bit on having done this for a very, very long time because it's a hard problem to solve. There's nuances in every single jurisdiction and, you know, it's 
it's using that with software development as well and working in concert with the to develop the right technology to get things done. Interesting. So I have a few questions for you, kind of a rapid fire round. You ready? Yes. Okay. So what does it mean to be a lawyer who leads? Building and managing a great team. It's being able to do things that are beyond just your own personal needs and accomplish things. Nobody can just be a singular person that runs something and does something and builds something great. So you have to be able to get the most talented people that you can find who believe and embody your mission and get them all rowing in the same direction, learning what motivates people. So it's really particularly as an attorney about the management side of things and about growing that team, setting the vision and letting that vision carry the rest of the team through proper and responsive management. If there was one thing that you could improve about the legal industry, what would it be? Oh, I have so many things that would improve about the legal industry. <laughs> so I'm sure you can guess my biggest issue with being a lawyer and in private practice was that your time is your trade. So you're only making as much money as those billable hours can reach in. To me, that's totally a backwards and problematic way of doing things. It's very difficult to scale a business and to provide a really high level of service and keep your billables up at the same time. So I think by building and managing a great team and being a lawyer who leads, you can offset that to other people. And that's really where I think the future of law needs to go. It needs to be using technologies and products. So people aren't flipping Word documents from 1997 that have banned old tax language that they have to go and fix. Using technology to your advantage to help you Elevate your practice beyond the billable hour. That's what needs to change in the legal industry going forward. I love everything you said. And also the 1997 made me chuckle. <laughs> I, I just found that hilarious. But I agree with you. And I love the passion that you bring to that. And you're actually doing that through your work, which I think is fantastic. What is something that people seem to misunderstand about the work that you do? Oh, goodness. So many things. So first of all, we're not estate planning software. We're not going to draft wills and trusts. So that's number one, I think. And number two would be we're not in the business of brief. We're not a talk space. We think there's a space for those companies. We think there's a space for a therapist for clients, but that's certainly not the work that we're trying to do. We're simply trying to ease the burden for those people administratively. So maybe it can be helpful to them to have that space so they can do things like counseling or find support groups. Absolutely. So final question. What is your favorite self-care practice? What do you do for you? Oh, I actually love running, interestingly. I am a slow runner. I used to be a much faster runner and run lots of long distances. I don't have time for that now. But I try every other day at this point to do a 30-minute really slow run. It allows me to flush out the day and I do my best thinking on those runs. That's usually what motivates me. It helps me secure my vision for the company and things like that. So I took a long break from running, but I'm getting back there. So we'll see how it goes. I've always been really envious of runners. I have knees that if I run for two days straight, like that's it. I really like that description of flushing out the day. It really does do that. So yeah. Yeah, my mind is always racing, so it helps me to let it go a little slower. I just want to thank you so much for being here. If someone wanted to connect with you online, what would be the best way for them to do that? Sure. So I would go to our website. It's www.truestate.com. You can also email me. It's Leah, L-E-A-H, at truestate.com. 
or our general email, which is info at truestate.com. But I'm always happy to connect with lawyers and happy to connect with any listeners. Thank you, leaders and future leaders, for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social. Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry, with almost five stars and over a thousand verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com slash podcast to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.